This morning, we are uh, jumping into John's Gospel, and we've been walking through John's Gospel for, for quite a while. Uh, we are really coming to the end of the series. As school picks up, we'll be wrapping up this series together. But this morning, we come to this, this pivotal moment, John 18. And um, in, you're, you're going to be very familiar with this. This is the story of, of Judas' betrayal and Peter's denial three times. And, uh, and yet, I believe God has something really uh, specific in mind for us to hear this morning. So let me open us up with a word of prayer, and, uh, and we'll dive right in. Pray with me, will you? God, it's been a week. Lord, we... We can get so caught up in, in doom scrolling, Lord. Forest fires, hurricanes, Taliban, pandemics. Lord, it is so easy. We are so distracted from the fact that you are sovereign and you are good and you are holy and righteous and you are in control. So Lord, this morning as we open up your word and we think not only about who you are, but whose we are, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, we pray that with your word open, we would be reminded of who you are. God, that we, we would be changed by the words that you have given us, by, by the Holy Spirit, we would be transformed and renewed into a people who walk not by fear, but by faith. So God, this morning, as, as we turn now to this, this story of, of denial and betrayal, God, we, we pray, make us attentive to you. Keep our eyes set on you that we might follow you wholeheartedly, both today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So John 18 we're going to read verses 1 through 27, 1 through 27. The rest of the chapter is homework this week. Okay, I'm not going to read all of it, but we're going to read verses 1 through 27, and then you're going to read the rest of the chapter. Next Sunday, we'll jump into uh, to chapter 19 again. But for now, let's, let's hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to him, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father of father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. 
Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of these disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once, a rooster crowed. The grass withers and the flower fades. but The word of our God endures forever. Lanterns, torches, and weapons. Imagine that with me. Imagine a mob coming towards you in the middle of the night. It's a full moon. We know that because it's the festival of Passover. And at first you see this gathering down in the valley. They're far, far away, but they seem to be moving with purpose. And as you watch from afar, the, the glow of this posse gets closer and closer to you. It's an unlikely army. God's word tells us Roman soldiers and Jewish officers had joined forces. Remember, those two groups hated each other. That was oil and water. But on this particular night, it was, it was kind of like two fighting siblings who suddenly team up on their parent when they're disciplined. The two set aside their differences and unified for one reason. They wanted Jesus gone. Meanwhile, the Lord has brought his disciples to one of the favorite places of their refuge. It was this garden across the Kidron Valley, the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas had a hunch this would be their landing for the night. He stayed there with Christ many times before and so for just 30 pieces of silver, a couple hundred bucks, one of Jesus' own led the mob right to his feet. And as these faces flickering from the, the burning torches approached, Jesus stood him and, and he asked them, who are you here for? They had no idea who this voice was that was speaking to them. He must have been in the shadows. They said, we're here for Jesus. Without hesitation, without denial, Christ told them, you found him. In fact, no, no, no. He said it more like this. He said, ego eimi. Remember what that Greek stands for? Ego eimi. I am. It's reminiscent of all the I am statements in John's gospel today. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. And with just the power of his voice alone, this armored battalion fell backward to the ground trembling. Just think about that. They far outnumbered Jesus. They had clearly come ready for a fight. And yet the perceived threat is standing before him and they're shaken. Peter was at the ready. He drew his sword from its sheath and, and not so heroic moment, he swings for the closest enemy, hits his ear. 
that wasn't the outcome Jesus was hoping for. Christ told Peter this moment had come. He had told Peter that his death was imminent. He told his disciples this was a part of God's plan, but Peter wasn't having it. He was ready for war. So Jesus shuts him down. He said, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? The mob arrests their prize, and Jesus fades into the night. You know, we could easily talk about Judas' betrayal this morning. In fact, he was the one who set off this entire scene. But for some reason, the chapter now focuses heavily on Peter, solely on Peter. Judas is pushed away. And I want to talk this morning about Peter's struggle to live for Christ. If you really consider all the events that we just read about, it would be tough to be Peter, wouldn't it? I mean, give the man a break. Judas' heart was cold. He was calculated. He wanted to sell out, but that wasn't Peter. Peter, deep down, he loved the Lord. He desired to be faithful to the Lord. And yet from the moment Peter drew his sword, instead of living in faith, Peter lives in denial. I want to spend our time this morning looking at the three ways Peter denied Jesus. This is no, nothing new to you probably. But I want you to see the slippery slope of Peter's deceit. Peter was in denial about his denial. But then the rooster crowed. And my prayer is that as we study this word together, we might too have this, this awakening this morning. So here's what I want us to do. Here's how we're going to break this down. First, I want us to look at how Peter slightly denies Jesus. We're going to talk about what that looks like in our lives and how that plays out. The second, then as Peter tries to blend in in the courtyard, we're going to talk about how he subtly denies Jesus. And I want us to consider the danger of that in our own faith walk. But finally, when push comes to shove, we know Peter then slips up and he outright denies the Lord. And so the goal this morning is, is not to beat Peter up for his failure or to beat up ourselves and our own failures, but the goal is for us to listen very carefully as we study this passage and to listen for the rooster crowing. So let's look at this first one. Peter slightly denies Christ. Remember that scene in Finding Nemo where uh, Marlon and Dory stumble into the 12-step recovery program for the sharks? Do you remember that moment? All these sharks are gathered around and Bruce, the lead shark, he calls the meeting to order. He says, repeat after me. In fact, do this. This will wake you up. Repeat after me. I am a nice shark. Not a mindless eating machine. Fish are friends. Not food. See, that's good for all the fly fishermen in the room. But remember that scene, and they, they begin to go around the circle and to confess with one another. Bruce, he, he, he starts, he says, hello, I'm Bruce. It's been three weeks since my last fish, and everybody sort of applause for Bruce. Dory, ditzy Dory, then she jumps in, she says, I'm Dory, I've never eaten a fish, and everybody's amazed at that. Finally, they all turn to, to Marlon, and Bruce asks, he says, what about you, mate? Marlon says, I don't have any problems. And at once, you'll remember, all the sharks collectively look at each other, and they all have one word for Marlon. They say, you are in denial. See, Peter and Marlon, they would have been best friends. Peter didn't believe he had a problem. Back at the Passover meal, when Jesus had told his disciples, one of you is going to betray me, the other one will deny me three times before the rooster crows, Peter said, not I, Lord. I will never fall away. But now we turn the page and it's gotten real. Peter's just committed an assault with a deadly weapon. He's now covering in the shadows, trying to keep up with Jesus and this mob as they take him to who knows where. 
And after walking for miles, he and this other disciple, probably John, they find themselves in the house of Annas. The unknown disciple, whoever he is, somehow he's got connections, right? He, he knows the high priest, so he gets in right behind Jesus. He knows people. But Peter's left out. He's left standing in the dark, pacing back and forth, waiting and wondering what's to come next. And as he does this in his nervousness, this no-name servant girl notices something's amiss. The guy's acting strange. Just as the, the disciple comes back to sneak Peter inside, the door swings open. The servant girl asks him, you're not one of these man's followers, are you? Now consider that. Who is this girl to ask such a question? She's a nobody. We know nothing about her. She's a lowly peasant servant. Peter brushes her off. He says, nope, not me. Heads inside almost casually. This was the first denial, but, but it doesn't count, right? It's, it's not like Peter denied Christ to the Roman authorities or stood up and did so before a public council. He didn't scream it from the rooftops. It was just a little white lie. It was just a little slight lie. No one was even there to see it. So what's the big deal? Years ago, Jen and I went to Amman. Jordan is a part of my continuing education. And Jordan is a Muslim nation, 92% Muslim. But it's also one of the more westernized Muslim nations. It's not uncommon to speak English there. Technology is a big part of the culture. The, the king and his family have been educated actually stateside. But we're on this plane. And as we begin to make our descent into Jordan, we're handed these cards by the stewards. And on them are these official questions of the Hashemite kingdom. It's typical custom stuff, right? Are you bringing in money? Do you have any agricultural items you need to declare? What's your final destination? But as I worked down the list, one popped out at me. Kind of got the hairs in the back of my neck sticking up. It said, what is your religion? What do you write? You're flying into a Muslim country. Do you write Jesus? Do you skip it all together? Do you check other? I tapped the back of our professor's seat and he comforted me. He said, no, as long as you declare some sort of faith that's not atheism, the kingdom's okay with that. But in that split moment with wheels down on the plane, right, headed into a country I had never seen before, I hit this crisis. What box am I going to check? Where in your life have you slightly denied Jesus? You know, this one's tricky, right? Because it's probably those moments we didn't even think about before. It's it's probably those times we never even gave a second thought to the act, at least not until the rooster crowed. It's not a big deal. No one cares. It's just a servant. She doesn't count. No one else saw. As you know, Jen and I spent some time in Houston, and I was shocked down in Houston, you know, that the thing to do down there was to fill up your, your, your first wall as you walked in the house with crosses, right? Until it came time to sell your house. And then the common... The common phrase from realtors, the common suggestion from realtors was take all the crosses off. And that way, anybody that walks into your home will feel more at home and buy. It's just a slight denial. It doesn't really count, does it? Look at this. It's just one verse long. Verse 17. If you blink, you'll miss it. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you're not one of this man's disciples. And as he walked into the courtyard, I'm not. If there had never been a second or a third denial, we'd probably not even know about this. Peter walked into the courtyard. As the door closes, it's almost as if it didn't happen. But now Peter's in the lion's den, right? We're told it was cold out. The servants and the officers who had bound Jesus, they're now celebrating with this capture around the charcoal fire out in the courtyard. 
Peter and his friend, they've made plans to sneak in with the crowd, to blend in with the boys, to, to be one of the others. Do nothing to make yourself stand out as the odd man out. All the while, I can all but guarantee Peter heard the interrogation going on in the house. The yelling, the slap across Jesus' face, the laughter at his demise. And somewhere in the midst of all this taking place, one of the servants realized this man isn't like the others. They said, you're not one of the disciples too, are you? Man, if only Peter would have stayed outside the gates, right? Lived his faith out there, that would have been so much easier. But now Peter doesn't just slightly deny Jesus, he now subtly denies him. You know, as a Christian, it'd be so easy to blend in, wouldn't it? I think this is maybe the greatest challenge we face today as Christians. We, 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 we think about denial. It's, it's not those things necessarily that we say or do, but sometimes it's the things we don't say or do. It's the little things, right? Do I stand for Christ in this moment or should I just be one with the crew? Should I go against the grain here or just blend in because it's, it's easier? You and I, we could probably count dozens of those moments in our lives. I remember in college, the Colorado, Colorado State Rams, we had this awful rivalry with the Colorado Buffaloes. Just so you know, there's, there's at least one other Ram in the room. Yeah, woot, Lauren. Um, just so you know, like, we, we don't do Colorado Buffaloes, okay? It's, it's somewhat like, like the Bobcats and the Grizz. But it was such a big game when we played, we actually went down to the Broncos Stadium and the crowd would get fired up and they would get loosened up, if you know what I mean. They'd start these cheers from within and then they would, they would turn into particularly mean cheers. They, they involved words that my mama taught me not to say. What do you do in that moment? Everybody around you is giving them the third degree. Everyone's throwing up their hand gestures and it seems like no one's gonna know. You're one of thousands. Are you a fan or aren't you? It's an obvious example, but I think we face these moments more than we realize, right? I mean, the vernacular around the golf course or in the office typically doesn't involve phrases like, I'll pray for you or have a blessed day. If you were to ask those around you, what is the most important part about your life? What would they say? And why would they say it? You know, I'm not sure this is just a, an individual question. I think it's a question for the corporate church. Like, where is it easier for us to just blend in and where might God be calling us to stand out instead? In any case, Peter's plan to sneak in by the fire seemed like a good plan and until he was faced now with a second question. You're not one of his disciples, are you? I mean, Peter just wanted to be one of the boys, right? He said, no, 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 not me. It's almost as if in the moment he was so caught up with his outward appearance and his external well-being that he had completely forgotten about what God sees. And now for a second time, Peter slips back into the sin of bearing false witness and trying to cover his tracks. I love how one commentator said it. He said, Jesus stood before his questioners and denied nothing. All the while at the exact same time, Peter cowered before his questioners and denied everything. Peter slightly denies Christ. Then he subtly denies him. And as this charcoal fire blazes on, the slippery slope leads Peter right into an outright denial. Look at this in verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Well, now it's real. Right, it's not just a servant girl who's asking a casual question. It's not just a random inquiry from the crowd around the fire. 
One of the mob who had just arrested Jesus, an eyewitness of the event itself, notices Peter. And he's certain, you're the one that assaulted my family member. And the man wants to know, are you the sword bearer or are you not? I mean, you can guarantee fear is now hit an all-time high. Peter's answer doesn't just out him as a follower of Christ. No, to say that he's with Jesus now implicates Peter in a crime. And the eyewitness of this crime, his accuser is standing right before him. And if Peter says yes, he's going to the same house Jesus is standing in. He's going to experience the same treatment Jesus is going through. Really think about it. What would you say? This last week um, has been a tough week. It's been a tough week if you are an American longing for freedom and Christian faith, your brothers and sisters around the world, human rights. We read these reports of the Taliban taking over Afghanistan in record time. And in one particular article that I opened to, it talked about Christians in Kabul. These are our brothers and sisters, many of them who woke up to a note on their door that said, we know where you live, time's up. Really, what would you do? God's word tells us right there in the midst of the campfire, Peter, for a third time, now denies ever knowing the Lord. And then just as Jesus foretold it, the rooster crowed. What do you do when the rooster crows? What, what do we do with that? When we realize just how badly we've failed to live our faith, what do we do with our denial? We're told in Luke's account of this moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and as they locked eyes, Peter went out by himself and bitterly wept. I wonder if there's even a part of that we can relate to. And maybe the question, maybe the question this morning should be rephrased. Maybe it's less about what we do in the rooster moment, and it's more about what God has done with that moment. See, there's a second charcoal fire in John's gospel. I find this no coincidence. The first one was the witness of Peter's denial, right? But there's a second charcoal fire coming. And at this fire, we're going to find Peter's restoration. You'll remember Peter was so devastated, he went back to the only life he knew, and he went fishing, walked away from ministry altogether. Meanwhile, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, and he's got unfinished business with his follower. And so the risen Lord goes out to find Peter right where he had first called him. And in John 21, just three chapters later, we're told Jesus sat down early in the morning on the beach, the same shore where Jesus had originally called Peter to ministry. And, and we're told in John's gospel, he set up a charcoal fire to make his loved ones one last meal. Look at this, John 21, 9. When they got out on land, Peter swam to him. They saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread Jesus said to them, bring the fish you've just caught. And as they sat around this second charcoal fire, Jesus wants Peter to understand something profound, something life-changing. And so he begins with a series of questions. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, Lord. Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, I love you. No, no, no. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. By the time of the litany of questions is over, Peter's heart was now heavy. He knew. He knew just how many times he had failed the Lord. And yet with each question, Jesus was setting up Peter to understand his forgiveness and mercy and love. 
And at the end of all of those questions, at the end of Peter searching his heart and realizing his love for Christ, he tells Peter, follow me. Soon we find the same Peter who had denied him his face in front of just a few men, now giving witness to thousands of people who are falling on their knees to the Lord in the book of Acts. I guess what I'm saying is don't leave today without hearing this. Every one of us in this room know what it is to deny Christ. We know what it is to deny him just slightly, maybe when no one's noticed. We know what it is to deny him subtly, to, to blend in with the crowd. And if we really stop to think, we could all find even that moment where we outright rejected him. So let me just ask you, do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Do you love him more than these? If so, the answer straight from God's word this week is two words. The same two words he gave us when we first said yes to him. Follow me. Leave the past, leave the regrets, leave the wounds, and follow me. Let's ask the Lord to help us do that this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, we like to think that we wouldn't stumble into the same pitfalls as the ones who first followed you. God, we admit that in our greed, we can often get caught up in thinking about our external appearances or the consequences in front of us, we can easily get distracted. And Lord, you've told us before we were even born that all of us would be like sheep going astray. And though you've called us to follow you, all of us have fallen short. So God, we just bring before you our, our brokenness. We confess those times where we have slightly denied you. Even those moments that we might not even remember, God, we just lay it before you now. And God, we, we ask for forgiveness for those times where we have subtly denied you. Maybe not with things that we outright said or did, but in ways that we blended into the crowd, snuck into the shadows. But God, all of us, we, we know that we have outright denied you. Lord, forgive us. God, we thank you for the restoration that you give us in Jesus' name, for the fact that we don't have to have it all together and be perfect. Lord, by the, by the blood of the lamb, we have been made righteous and holy and pure. So God, we pray, make, make us whole again. Lord, as we leave this place today, would you lead us that we would follow you? Whatever the cost, whatever the hour, whatever the inconvenience. God, that we would follow you wholeheartedly with all that we are and all that we have. Jesus, thank you for that gift. In your son's name we pray, amen.